Um, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to um, the third episode of the Button Press Show. Today we are glad to host two amazing people, Ahawe Peter, who is a lawyer by profession, is a very good muta and um, has done a lot of things as a leader. He was um, the, the you know Law Society president of Uganda Christian University and he did an amazing job. Very passionate about youth and this country and um, he really wants to see that the country moves in the right direction. And also on the podcast, we have Kanani Daniela. Kanani is, um, is a very interesting young lawyer, and uh, she wants to be the IMF director. So she's the right lady for the job tonight. Um, we're very excited and want to welcome you all. Our topic today is um, um, youth economic inclusion in the Ugandan perspective. And we want to be able to discuss you know, um, the policies that that affect us the young people and how we can we can be included in, in, in all these government policies. So right away um I want to start with Peter. Peter, how are you? Uh, uh, good evening to you all uh, or wherever you're listening to all of us. I am privileged and humbled to be part of today's podcast. Thank you Frank for inviting us and such a humbling uh, introduction about me. All right, thank you. Um, Daniela, say hi to us. Hello, everyone listening. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in for starters, and thank you, Frank, for hosting us on this amazing podcast. And I hope that deliberations will make this evening will be amazing. Thank you. Um, so I want to I want to start with you, Peter, to to somebody out there that is listening who who doesn't really understand, you know, what we're talking about. Can you briefly give us an overview of? what it means to when somebody talks about youth economic inclusion what exactly does it mean thank you okay uh thank you frank um i think firstly thank you for inviting the youth to talk about youth matters um but maybe we before we deal with the question at hand uh, youth inclusion or economic inclusion i think let's first also deal with the demographics of the youth in this country so Currently, Uganda has this, you know, the second youngest population uh, in the world. We have about 78% of uh, the young people who are below the age of 30 years. And we're just very close to Nigeria, which is just 83%. So uh, what does that mean to us as a country? That means that in terms of uh, uh, decision-making, having a stake uh, in in policy formulation, the youth need to be had. So, in terms of also governance, you know that the economy plays a fundamental role in the growth of a country. Now, if the youth are over eighty percent, seventy eight percent of the youth we have as below thirty years, that means the most productive age of the country is the youth. So, in terms of the economy we need to see how they are included because they will play a fundamental role in ensuring that we have growth, sustainable growth at that, and also that they will be able to bring about the change that we hope for as a nation because the youth are vibrant, the youth have uh, very progressive ideas, 
the youth uh, think very very projectively about the you know the stake of their country and also they matter because we need to see how to include them so that they can participate meaningfully and and this evening i think i will i'll continue uh, making emphasis on that meaningful participation also in the economy that you can't have that big percentage of of the youth and they are just all they can do is just set up a kiosk but, but we need to see how they they are given a stakeholder of if a young youth from a a a, a, great, a university starts up a, a hub how does you know the government support them so that they can contribute meaningfully to the economy of the country so youth uh, inclusion in the economy in a nutshell is that the youth should be given a voice right firstly they should be given a voice secondly their voices should be heard because they matter secondly uh, or thirdly they need to be included and how policy frameworks that have been structured by the government and this time economic frameworks they need to also include the youth voices what do they think about the economy how can they better the economy how can they participate in the economy and if that is done then i believe we can ably say that the youth have been included in the economy um thank thank you so much peter um so daniela um peter talked about um um he talked about that you know youth economic inclusion means you know literally involving the youth whether in, you know in policy framework or whatever that the government is doing that the voices of the young people need to be heard um from from your opinion i want you to to help us you know assess currently you know with the current standing and the current governance in the country how would you um evaluate the youth inclusion economically thank you for that question frank and thank you for that introduction peter i think uh looking at our present statistics yeah peter's already said we have the second youngest population and that's about 78% and that means it's 8.8 million of the ugandan population but if you're to look at this you'll notice that over uh, 62% of this 78% are unemployed youth and most of these youth are in rural areas or even half that percentage are uneducated So um I remember I, a few weeks ago Action Aid Uganda had an accountability dialogue on service delivery and one of the re- recurring points was that <clears throat> the youth have a youth parliament we have all these committees that are set up to involve youth representatives for different areas but then at the end of the day they don't have a voice Yeah you can't tell me what the youth debate in the youth parliament can actually be adopted by the national legislature and this is because um there's a lot of i don't know whether to call it bureaucracy or um they want to keep the policies within themselves even unsa we have a students body but then they 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 don't represent the majority of the population that are students and who are the youth so um from my perspective i think the youth inclusion especially regarding economic policies and you know just financial service access is very minimal but you know you actually mentioned that you know there's unsa there's youth parliament there's um there's youth council and we also have youth youth mps i mean um in in my opinion somebody would argue that we 
we have quite a number of platforms that youth people can air their voices. So what do you think is lacking? If if we have youth MPs, if we have you know youth council that is national and established by an act of parliament, we have youth parliament and, and all these different bodies. And at the same time, you make an argument that, that our voices cannot be heard. Where is the gap? Where, where is the problem? Because... You know, we have all these different bodies and I think that we are well represented. Why would you think that that our voices are not heard, specifically to you, Daniela? Okay, thank you so much, Frank, for that question. Um, I made that comment mostly because, um, yes, the for example, the UNSA or the Youth Parliament, yeah, especially the UNSA is established by an act of parliament and specifically gives independence to that, you know, organization and that entity. But you notice that, um, I'm not sure if it's, it's the line, you know, that the order of hierarchy, yeah, because um, we were in Ginger for a training uh, a few months ago and we're talking to the youth about their involvement in the budgeting process. Yeah, they have a right to be included before the budget is finally debated and adopted. But then most of them didn't even know that they had this right. So I don't know if it's lack of information or just... Um, Ignorance. Ignorance, yes. They don't know that they can actually uh, stand up and call for these things. But these youth representatives, I think, what's her name? Is it Adeke? Yes, I think she did a good job, you know, during her time. And um, I think we just need to empower these people who are elected into these positions not to be so quick to be bought into the puppet. Oh, all right. Thank you, Daniela. Um, Peter, Daniela actually brought the issue of budgeting, you know, um, our budget was read should be like just two months ago, and um, and our concern was that we were not even involved in the budgeting process. Um, do you think that we are not involved in the budgeting process because the government does not intend, or it is just that we have you know young people that do not care about the affairs of the country, specifically in the budget line? Before when you go to look at the policies that have been put in place and how economically they're including the young people just just i just want your quick comment peter on on the budgeting process do you think that the budgeting process in the country really accommodate the young people does it include the young people and also what would you tell the person that would bring an argument that young people in this country just do not care about the affairs of the country so what what would you say in that line peter oh, uh, thank you frank and, and i think it's a very timely question um Considering that, uh, you know, there's this whole looming debate of, uh, you know, we have an issue of it's our time, the youth, it's our time for us to take positions yeah, of that's power. That's always asked. Yes. Um, so I, I think in regards to the budgeting process of the country, I, I, you see the youth were directly under the Ministry of Gender and, and, you know, but the biggest question, which I know now they have been fighting Honorable Adeke and the likes, is that we need to have a separate entity right, as a ministry of the youth, so that we, we don't have those very nitty-gritty budgetary allocations of where money we have close to about what? Um, they release about, yeah, 2.6 billion that is released to the youth. That, that's very little money that is going to, you know, support youth income, you know, generating income initiatives, support their, you know, hubs, uh, you know, uh, create an opportunity where their voices can be heard. So I, I think the, the government has, you know, tried to make uh, an effort but i don't think that's e enough you know in the law they say you should also be able to give you know um consideration that is adequate <laughs> so if it's not substantial in a way i i feel 
it's unfair to 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 the youth because if they are to participate meaningfully then such considerations need to be factored in of uh, you know allocations of the budget also um, matters that are affecting them you know so so do you think that the youth are interested in the affairs of the country so is that your argument that the youth are interested in the affairs of the country but the government is not engaging them well enough is that what you're saying I, I think I absolutely agree with you Frank that um I I believe that the youth are interested in 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 matters that affect them that are, that's why they have come out to question maybe some of the policies that's why they have meaningfully participated in initiatives that have been started by the government but I think maybe just like Daniela said that the only thing that I would have against the government is a political will execution of these these very beautiful policies that we have a government pass maybe say an initiative where we will have a hub for ideas startups right and then at two years down the road when we're trying to do a, a, a bit of a checkup we can't even have that seen somewhere as a as a as a fulfillment of the government so we lack that that will i, I think they have created a good avenue but we lack the political will to execute these beautiful ideas so that the youth can be beneficiaries of these intended ideas. Thank you Peter. Um so we 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 have all you know had a discussion on on what do we think it's is the current status of of youth inclusion in the country economically. Now I, I want us to look at at some specific policies. For example, we had um you know operation wealth creation that you know government brought up. We've also had um the, the the office of the president has as in the past couple of years been you know giving actually direct funds to youth circles and in my opinion those are some of the, the the ways that government is coming up to economically include the young people even before we we proceed what 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 do you think about these 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 policies that government is bringing you know um, are, how are they working you know are they helping the young people you know are these policies meeting the goals you know you know the wealth question policy and then um you know funding the youth circles are these helping how is it out there on the ground uh, you know have these policies changed the lives of the young people okay thank you so much frank uh, for that question and i think i'll specifically look at uh, the youth livelihood fund yeah which was started between 2013-2014 financial year and the government released all this money but then to be able to access this money the youth have to get into uh, interest groups yeah and I think I was reading uh, a report that was done last year or I think in 2018 and they noted that majority of the youth know about the fund because the president publicly announced this but then they can't access it because of the I, th- I don't know if it's bureaucracy or the, the, the qualifications that they have to attain to be able to access that money. So it's so political that um, specific interest groups get uh, priority over others. And so um, I think there was even a strike sometime. Was it a strike or just a debate by youth who are saying that they need this uh, requirements under the Youth Livelihood Fund to be more accessible to them. So the president has so many policies. We have so many de- uh, beautiful uh, youth inclusion uh, policies, as uh, Peter pointed out, but then the effectivity of them, the, uh, the youth actually accessing this money. So I think if they were productive, then we'd be seeing a decrease decline in the rate of unemployment yeah because the youth would have more money to start up their own businesses or just get into the formal sector but then this is not done so peter uh, moving forward let's let's look at um let's look at um you know you know the youth startups 
You know, you find that a young person has, you know, 10, you know, actually 10 million is much. Let's talk about 2 million, 3 million. And and this is a person that is coming up with a small business and all that. Um, How would you evaluate the tax system in the country? And how are these tax systems affecting, you know, the youth startup, you know, in, in the country? Uh, Thank you so much, Frank, for that question. And maybe before we go uh, to, maybe I get to answer that question, I think the other thing that I needed to talk about in terms of youth inclusion is that they need to also, we can't talk about youth inclusion because youth inclusion means you need to have a voice, give a policy. But I also think there is an aspect of uh, an income generating you know, mechanism of where the youth can alleviate themselves from poverty. The tax policy should be considerate of such, uh, you know, youth. We've seen the government, you know, uh, waive tax, uh, uh, you know, taxes on, uh, you know, uh, investors from, you know, foreign investors. We've seen it levy even on national investors, but they, you know, they, their tax waves they give them. So it should be considerate of a population of the youth, uh, a percentage of the population of the youth that have come together. I, I can imagine just like Kanani has been saying, under the, the, the Ministry of Gender, 20 people have, you know, uh, joined up together and they, they have, as a bunch, they have just 20 million. You know, which means ideally everybody collected about 500,000. So how do we ensure that such people are given a platform, right? That if people are starting up um, maybe a, a plant, the government should take consideration. Maybe it could give them land, right? Because we know that agriculture here in the country works to the advantage of the youth. So it could give them land, right? It could waive a tax on that very land. It could waive maybe the first um, 50, you know, productions they will make and then they'll go into the market. It could give them an opportunity to market um, uh, their products, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, meaningfully so that they can engage, yeah, to, to, to entice other people to participate. But where we have a situation where a youth who has just left university with one million wants to start a chapati store, like Kanani was saying, and then tomorrow you come with KCCA and you're impounding me for just, you know, 200,000. I, I think, uh, you know, considerably, that's, that's a bit unfair, but we need to also take into the, how do we put policies that entice them to participate. I feel if such a framework is in place, it's going to entice more people to participate and youth are also going to contribute meaningfully because at the end of the day what we need is raising income from from these youth. Yeah. You know recently during the COVID period you you know the government said that they were putting um I think over 500 million US dollars in Uganda Development Bank so that um so that people and I, and I want to believe that including the young people can access these funds. Um Daniel, I want you to to help our listeners understand. How would you evaluate the, you know, the 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 idea that money should be put in Uganda Development Bank and young people and and the rest of the people can access? Do you think that um does it help the informal sector of the young people? For example, a, a young man deep there in Bududa, how, how do you think they will be able to know the processes of coming to Uganda Development Bank to even start applying for the loan? How, how would you see that? I think uh, looking at that, you know, putting the money and accessibility of that, there are so many prerequisites, especially if you want to access such funds that a youth has to fill out, yeah, probably a form showing their net worth or their current source of income, if they'll be able to um, adequately manage this, do they have a bank account, do they have uh, any securities to provide, and uh, I'm very sure that 
uh, from the demographics you have seen, yeah, majority of the youth are in rural areas and their major source of income is agriculture, of which that's only for the males. And you'll note that over 57% of these youth in rural areas are females, yeah? So um, it will be very difficult for them to be able to cash out this money because they don't, um, they don't satisfy the prerequisites, yeah? So it's easier for a youth in Kampala who has a, a percentage of formal education and probably their parents' uh, business to fall back on or give a security uh, to be able to access this money. And I don't think it's fair because majority of the uh, our population is in the rural areas. All right. Um, thank you. So you, you literally think that, you know, the Mwanainchi down there will not be able to benefit from these funds. Um, did you want to add something, Peter? Yeah, I, I think I, I think maybe just to slightly differ from from Daniela, I I I am very cognizant of the fact that, uh, like she said in her introduction, that the m- biggest percentage of the grappling are the youth in the rural areas. But I think we also need to take into consideration of how do we advance them to a modern means of conducting this business, because if a, a young youth cannot transact with a bank tomorrow when a government grants him an opportunity to use over 10 acres of land right and uh, with a grant from government with an investor at hand i think that that, that, that's an exposure that a youth needs i think what we need to also teach at that level is financial management I think we we've uh, yes uh, yeah we we've failed as a country uh, because they say you know give a youth two hundred million they will you know want to buy a car and then drive a very posh car I think we also can advance such a a program where you know youth need to get money from the banks yes yeah yeah you know but we need to teach them financial management because that uh, enables them to deal with any issues that might arise with. Um, money handling. Yeah. So you, you're looking at, at the fact that um, before all this money is put in UDB, we need to do financial literacy, which is good. So Peter, on that note, I want to ask you specifically on um, on our current loan policies. Um, I, I, I have had the benefit of going to one of the banks to, to ask for some loan to fund you know, my struggling business during COVID. And, and one of the first questions was that, do I have a car? Or actually, the, the first question was, do I have a land title? And, all that, and I don't have. So can you help us understand? Currently, Centenary Bank gives um, loan to young people. Five million and below, you don't need to have almost security. You know, you don't even need to advance any collateral. But if you want 25 million, you know, you need to give them some bit of security, which I want to believe that involves things like land title and all that. You know, all these different banks in Uganda, there are so many banks now. So h- how do you think... How do the current loan policies set out by the banks that are regulated by Bank of Uganda, how do they benefit young people? How, how is it economic and inclusive if, if you are to assess them? Okay. Uh, thank you, Frank, for that question. And I think it goes back slightly to what we're discussing in terms of how do we put them to a platform where they need to understand that money is just not going to be about holding it in bags and bringing it to your workplace. I think... Uh, I will just use your example about because it's what I've 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 you know seen or heard or read about the Centenary Bank. Um, I think the idea of of a bank transacting with a youth is essentially a transaction of a bank is essentially on trust. So if a bank is not willing to establish that, 
with a possibility of you paying back that money there's a likelihood that you're not going to be given this money but be that as it may i think the bank needs to also take into consideration of young you know um, uh, vibrant people um, youth in this country who have initiatives and should devise mechanisms on if they cannot directly hand over this money to them maybe support the initiative this could be you know supported by the government could be a loan advancement i i believe it's it's a support given to the youth but at a, you know they give them maybe a time period five years then they will take back their money the current loan policies are they okay things like asking for land title cars and all that are you are you arguing that the banks should maintain those policies there's no need to adjust them in in any way or the other I think that stems from what I said in terms of the uh, the trust because a bank kind of a transaction on that very loan is usually or what you could say principally uh, based on the fact that they will only give you that money if there's a what you would ideally call as collateral or a, a kind of a promise that you will bring back this money. So that's why I said it, it, that's in principle that's what is in structure it might not favor the youth or it could not be favoring them and the bank could be a bit hard in uh, modifying that kind of law and they now need to do a work outside that scope how do we then now support them if we, if somebody runs to a bank and they don't have a, you know a car so they need to look maybe now if frank walks to the bank and frank says i have my father's land i plan on putting matoke i i think the bank needs to consider such a, such a scope uh, uh, yes <laughs> so but later i know there are challenges to do with where the bank might come and claim i know the policy is unfair or uh, uh, the youth might qualify them as unfair i think they are raised to only help youth who are privileged per se y- you leave university and you have your 20 million so you you can't start something or you leave the university and uh, your father owns a building you could walk to the bank and get money um so we have been crucifying the government and and its policies and the things it has done right and not right so can we involve the private sector can we i think in uganda we actually have the private sector foundation we we, we also have quite a number of investors i i want i want um peter you you give us give us what you think about the role of the private sectors in 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 ensuring that as a country we we you know we have policies that um you know economically you know including the young people because i mean many times we also have you know the private sector and we, we play a role governance is not only about government private sector has a role as well but what has the private sector done you know to also make sure that they have they have come up with initiatives that are helping the young people you know where where do you see the private sector falling in in this case of you know including the young people in, in economic policies i i think i think we 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 have as a country underestimated the role of the private sector in ensuring that they better the livelihood of our youth in this country and they have played a very pivotal role in elevating some of these youth but i think what we now need to have as an honest discussion is uh, whether what they give them is what you would call as you know substantial or does it uh, in any way make them better so the policies now we need to you know discuss is maybe terms of remuneration uh challenges that they will face maybe you know it's not everybody that will get into government you you leave university you will not directly you know work for government so you might get a job in a bank you might get a job in a, an established entity by you know a private owned person but i think as an initiative as a fund 
they need to now discuss such policies are the youth being remunerated are uh, hubs started up by the youth you know uh, can we have because we've seen you know banks come out to grant you know some support system so can y- private only individuals deep, you know discuss questions to do with youth remuneration can they discuss uh, policies to do with how do youth startups don't fail before seeing their first birthday because we have had initiatives where uh, government you know started up hubs are not supported but if the private uh, you know fund can have a hand in, in 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 such mechanisms i believe we could have an honest and better discussion on how we can better their livelihoods also in terms of maybe uh, if we we could look into deeper the question on how if everybody will not get an opportunity to work for government how can somebody get a better life under the private sector i think that's a, that's a, that's another important discussion that the private uh, f- sector fund needs to look into all right yes thank you um so daniela um we we know that you know the the private sector whether whether it means funding up um startups whether it means um just providing financial literacy and everything they play a very important role but i want you specifically to 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 give us a, a quick look into how do the ugandan investors behave towards the young people what are their attitude toward the young people is it okay for example for for sudi to come and say i am providing you, 20 million to 20 young people somewhere first of all is it his obligation and um but also before even look at it whether it's his obligation or not let's look at it from the perspective that what do you think are their attitude on the ground you know are these private people private investors private billionaires do they really understand what it means to include the young people to support them or to fund them how would you assess you know the perspective from of of the How do how would you access the behavior the attitude of the private investors towards these young people? I need to defend banks. You know banks banking is a business, yeah? So you can't come and tell a businessman to be more lenient exactly on that just because you are youth and just because you have a startup. No. I feel like the 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 responsibility of ensuring that youth startups have the access to money that they deserve is on the government. Don't put it on the business people because they will not waive those policies. They have experience from people who get loans and don't pay and they have no fallback security. So it just goes back to the government. Interesting. Um so Peter we we want to look at um quickly a, a few basic challenges that according to you your experience moving around here and there um what are some of the you know the basic challenges that you think you know economically and in terms of policy young people are facing while trying to run their small businesses uh, uh thank you frank for that question and well challenges are always going to be part when you start <laughs> so there's no way you're going to run away from them so i think the very first thing that the youth are facing in terms of their own startups is um, um first of all they qualify some of these you know policies are unfair in a kind of a way that for you to be able to access a loan of 20 million like you were saying you need collateral the youth don't have that then um, a youth who has started up an initiative that can raise um, you know and a contribution to a government like 5 million you know in about 3 months such a uh, you know is not given a tax waiver i think that's an uh, that's a challenge then a youth who has said i am not going to live in you know 
the nation's capital and head back to you know my village and and start planting is yes is not given uh, you know contribution from government to say uh, let's give you quality seeds right let's advise you let's give you initiatives on how you can be better uh, so those are continuously going to be challenges that uh, youth are going to face and we're still facing as a youth and if they can only only be um tabled and discussed honestly like i was saying i, I believe I, one of the things that i i believe in terms of maybe uh, still answering the question of challenges something to do with you know uh, agriculture you know we've shunned agriculture because you know we want to be in you know uh, air conditioned offices and you know so how do we establish uh, a fund how do we establish um, entice these people so that we can we can deal with this some of these challenges that are, are facing because youth don't want to sp- participate in agriculture because look here they don't know the risks you know yeah. uh, uh, then number two, they they don't know even what it takes to even start up maybe some of these things even when they have started them they they are not given maybe seeds that can go well they, so all these challenges are going to thank you i think some of them don't even know managerial skills well but um daniela to to just get you on board from what peter has as as just mentioned um, i i am looking at it from the perspective of the mindset and attitude you know um he talked about the challenges with agriculture and how all of us do not want to go and do farming so um don't you think that all these different problems that you know the young people are facing is is as a result of of i would say negative or poor attitude and ignorance i want you to to give us a quick comment before we look at recommendations to give us a quick comment on 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 what don't don't you if you if someone advances an argument that is a problem of the mindset how would you respond to that person because in my opinion as as a host i think that a lot of these things are happening and and misplaced priorities and all that it's because we don't actually have the right mindset do 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 these young people understand what it means to go back to the village and do farming and all these kind of things comment on the on the mindset of the current ugandan youth Wow, that's a <laughs> such a wide question, but um in trying to answer that, I think it's it's subjective. Yeah? It's it depends on the person who you're dealing with. I I I'm sure you have seen investors who are very willing and we have a couple of uh, foundations that just, you know, call for competitions, you know, you present the best idea and then they Stand award you exactly, Stanbic Bank and I think it just comes probably if you you went through the same situation yeah as an investor just coming up and then by the time you make it there yeah you think about probably the people who might have the same idea as you but not have as much access as you did at that time and then you come out to help them so I wouldn't answer for all the investors yeah but then I think there's um a conversation going on about public private partnerships yeah and I think this is a very good conversation that the government is bringing in because it has seen that it has failed to implement most of the things it sets out to implement yeah like the youth livelihood fund so it needs help from the private sector and i think earlier this year we got um a fund from the dutch government it's the challenge fund for the youth employment where the dutch government gave over 200 billion i mean 20 billion uganda shillings to provide over 200 jobs to the youth so however for uh, an investor to access this money they need to show that what they are going to uh the project they're going to invest in will create at least 50 jobs for youth yeah so 
some of these terms that are coming up for money that we are getting from foreign donors or foreign investors to just ensure that as you set up your organization or as you consider a new field in your company or in your organization, you put into consider- consideration the fact that there are youth out there who you need to include and employ. So um, it's, it's yeah, it's a personal question from the... Inv- it's, it's yeah, subjective. yeah it's subjective. No exactly. They have no obligation. No, yes. Yes. So it's very interesting that you have asked me that question because um, in my book club, we are reading The Power of Mindset by Professor Carol Dweck. And uh, she just describes the two kinds of mindsets. There's a growth mindset and there's a fixed mindset. So I feel like the youth in uh, Uganda have the fixed mindset. Yeah, They have the mindset that when I get done with school, I will go to university. When I finish university, I'll get employed in a big building and I'll get probably a million and above as my salary. I don't need to struggle so much as long as I have an education. So this means that if that's what has been set, even for in our academic system, yeah, we we have uh, the best being awarded, given accolades, yeah. So everyone strives to be the best, but what's the end game, yeah? Are you the best to to be employed at the best firm or to start up the the most successful business? So at the end of the day, our system has been. Um, I wouldn't. I, I think it has been predetermined, yeah? So if you're not in that line, probably if you dropped out from primary two because you didn't have tuition, then it means that you failed. And so being a P2 dropout in the village, your life is finished. So you realize majority of the youth now resort to drugs, to alcohol, to just try and boost their ego, yeah? So I think it starts in the mind. And um, I keep telling my friends... Everywhere I go, yeah, whether in the workspace or in class or even just at home, I look for a need. Yeah, those who know me know I'm always selling something. (laughs) So when I went to university, I realized most university students like sweatpants, like sweatshirts. I'm like, okay, this is a need. So if I get sweatpants and sell them, will they buy? I have the market. I can sell. I did that for a while. Then I realized in class, most people come with sweets from the canteens because they usually sleep at like the second hour of class. So I said, why don't I make it easier for them? Let me bring the sweets to them and then they buy from me. And I made some good money. I think I used to make, okay, let me not disclose how much I used to make. <laughs> so you, you will agree that, um, that there's really a mindset challenge in this country. Well, so, um, so guys, let's, let's go and advise, you know, um, government and private sector. On, on how we should, you know, we have talked about, um, you know, the loan policies, financial literacy. You know, we've talked about tax and, and we've talked about, um, we felt that there was lack of voices and all that meaningful participation, like Peter said at the beginning. So, so Peter, right away, um, share with us what, what are some of the policy recommendations you would give to, to the government? Okay. Uh, th- thank you so much, Frank. And, uh I think I think what I if we are if somebody is to forget everything probably I would have shared uh, at this podcast I think we 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 don't need to forget this that for us to be included economically or financially as a youth we need an aspect of an income generating activity less of that we we are only debating beautiful policies that are going to be shelved 
and uh, year in year out we're going to talk about uh, the same thing so firstly the first thing that i'd request from our government is political will to effect what they have discussed um uh, to also ensure that when the youth say we need more money allocations and we have startups let the government have a political will to effect and listen to the youth uh, i think the other thing we need to talk about because it's a consideration that the government has pushed uh is also provision of uh, vocational skills uh we've seen some of the youth uh the presidential initiative fund that was started up by the president some people have come to alleviate themselves from poverty the youth have been able to you know get skills start making up you know somebody starts making shoes make a shirt buy uganda build uganda so i believe that th- that's one of the modes but how can we better it um letting the young people out there that this is a, a you know a mode you could take and you could make money out of it and this is how you can make uh, better so the government needs to do more funding in terms of that then we also need to tailor some of our you know Daniela has been talking about mindset we need to tailor our education system to also meet the job market uh, you graduate from law school and all i am thinking about is working for a top law firm in the country but is there a possibility because now we're dealing with arbitration is there a possibility where at law school i could be taught to be you know uh, an arbitrator i could help a colleague or something so we need to tailor our education for the young people in this country to meet their needs and the job market then also you talked about credit i think we need affordable credit um for the youth affordable credit in these banks financial institutions so that they can be able to access them and 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 start their you know uh, initiatives and alleviate themselves from poverty this will help their innovations and entrepreneurship so many young people out in the, in, in our great nation here are starting up things somebody starts up an app somebody is starting up a hub somebody is starting up you know an online boutique how do we support them how do we support them and lastly maybe two things uh, frank if you allow me we need access to information we need to agree that i think it's just a handful of 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 the youth in the country that will be able to know such a policy that we've been debating they will get to know that there is even a youth livelihood fund so we need access to information so that people can be able to know how do i get to you know access this money how do we, when i access it how can it you know help me you know alleviate myself from poverty and then lastly maybe in line of uh, what canadian uh, talked about mindset i think we also need very informed discussions in terms of the sexual reproductive you know health concerns and information among the youth because you know our lives uh, we live in at a time where you, you, we are young people we want to try out this we are very you know we we want to try out uh, so experimental canadian uh, here works for sehad so she will <laughs> she will tell you about that so i think we also need to see how we have those honest discussions they access sexual reproductive so that the youth can make informed discussion don't lose your life before you make your first million in in your in your young 20s yeah so i think those are some of my recommendations the government if they can work on those i believe the youth can live a better life in this country i am sure that the government is going to listen to this <laughs> so uh, yes uh, miss kanani um you can also chip in and share with us some of the recommendations that you think um both to the private sector and to the government as well um honestly i feel like peter read my mind he got the words out of my mouth <laughs> but um i think on top of what he has said uh we need the government needs to strengthen the ppps yeah the public private partnerships and this is because uh the private sector is is in a vacuum yeah they don't know that these are the actual problems because if 
anyway, let me not get into the social media dilemma. But you know, businessmen are there to make money and they will make it at whatever cost, yeah. even if it means stepping on everyone and killing the whole generation. So I feel like um, the government needs to involve the private sector in um, picking an interest, especially um, in funding the youth initiatives, uh, calling out for competitions if there's need for that to be done and to just support the government in the arm that it has failed to carry. So I think that would be my biggest recommendation from here. Private sector. Now, uh, you know, it's hard. You know, it's hard to tell an investor, go help a youth. It's his money. He can do what he wants with the money. So um, I think also as the youth, we need to be more vigilant. If we need assistance from probably the Madvani Foundation or probably Wavamuno or, you know, those investors who we know have money and can actually give the money, we should reach out to them. I think... I think if you approach an investor or a business person or a company, pitch your idea and tell them how beneficial this idea could be or to build their business or their organization, trust me, no businessman will refuse. And if they see a future in the idea that you're pitching, then they'll definitely, definitely fund you or sponsor you. Peter, I think, has something to say shortly. I think think maybe two things I just want to say and and maybe just something I've heard from friends who have worked for the private sector. I think policies that... um, Firstly, the first thing is remuneration. Um, we have had a couple of people work for the private sector, but maybe they say, you know, we are not where you know, we, we, you know, we are not well paid. I think that the other people will also argue for the side that the private sector pays better than the government. But also that there's need that such remuneration should meet, should be substantial to to make me, you know, live a better life. Yeah, but but I think maybe in terms of investment, I think that any kind of investor should tailor their objective. And consider the young people. If you, if you, like now we are, I know we are in the 90 days of the oil. You need to look at people in the region there, the young people there. Yes. If they don't have the books, how, how you, do you support them? If somebody can come and work on a construction site and you pay them 5,000, I think me, that's, that's a good initiative. If you're investing in a, you know, the nation's capital here, look at how many youth probably are educated and uneducated. Do you have within your governance structure, organizational structure of saying that I, w- I will at least take over 20 young people? You know, I believe that's a contribution as a, as an investor. But if you don't do that and you want only your job description says 45, 30 and above, the youth will never the youth will never be catered for so they also need to harness their positions you you know we need to harness the youth's positions because we have this challenge of the youth we are saying these people are too old they need to get out and the, the people who are older also saying no 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 you you need to learn from us so we need to work on exactly we need mechanism of including us training us and taking us on and, and believing in us by the way that's another challenge that the, that uh, our community has had that they don't believe that the young people can actually cause change they can they can influence you know have potential to make sense. so if if an investor comes on board they need to see how they, they they work on such a framework that you take me on board you train me and i can be a better asset all right thank you peter as we as we we near the conclusion i just want both of you to to give a shout out to the young people, starting with Daniela. Um, you know, what, what would you tell a young person out there listening to this podcast? Um, 
what is that one thing that you really one or two that you really would want them to know about the policies or just about anything economically so to all the young people listening to this podcast i want you to know that yes we have told you you have all these amazing policies we have told you that the government has an obligation we have told you that the investors should include you but then what's your role? Yeah, just don't sit and wait for the government to come and call you. Don't sit and wait for uh, Bill Gates from wherever he is to come and uh, uh, give you the money that you need. Even if you're earning 200 shillings a day, if you add it up to 12 months uh, a year, you know, 365 days a year, that will be something. So start small. If you're selling granites, if you're selling bananas, just start somewhere. And then that will be a footstool for you to ask for more funds or, you know, just keep building your idea. But don't lose out on your dream. Okay, uh, this is very visionary from Daniela. <laughs> um, but I think one of the, th- uh, the thing that I want the youth to know is that they have such enormous potential that every youth in this great land, Uganda, they have enormous potential. So they need to know that their voices matter, their ideas matter. Um, so they need to work towards how do they work towards their challenges, recognizing their challenges, establishing that they can work together as a united force to make their future better. So I think that's a very important thing that the youth need to know that they have each of us, each of the youth in this country, they have enormous potential. We have so many youth out there who have actually lost out. They don't they no longer believe themselves because they have applied for jobs and maybe they have not got them, but they have such enormous potential. They just need to recognize that there are present challenges they need to see how to get solutions so that they can better for their future. Thank you. I think to the young people out there, you've heard from, from Peter and Daniela. And, um, and as the host of the show, I just want to say that um, um, keep chasing your dreams. Um, make sure that you seek for information. I think we discussed that um, some of these policies, there are people that don't even know about the Youth Livelihood Initiative and so many other um, initiatives by the Office of the President. We need to take advantage of these opportunities. But I think most important, the world need to be aware that nobody is going to do it for us. And, you know, we need to wake up and um, change our mindsets and, um, and work towards, you know, making this country a better place.